What is up, everybody, and welcome to Fight Talk with Alan. It's been a while, but I'm glad to be able to give my opinion on these last couple of fight cards with you guys. It's been a while since we've done the top podcast, so I gotta go all the way back to Glover Teixeira versus Thiago Santos. Uh, so for this fight, I predicted that Glover would win by fourth round submission, I think, and he submitted him in the third round with a rear naked choke, so it was pretty close. Uh, just the reason I picked this this way is because I felt that Glover, his biggest uh, detriment to this fight would be an early round KO by Santos, which was very possible. Uh, I thought for a second that Santos was going to finish him in the first round because of the power that he had and the way Glover was moving, but the weird thing is it seems like Glover's chin is almost getting better with age, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. Because I remember when Glover was knocked out by guys like Alexander Gustafsson and Anthony Johnson. So I just kind of assumed if he were to lose, it would be in the first round. But seeing that Santos tore his ACL against John Jones in a brutal fight. And Glover seems to be on a resurgence and he's peaking right now. Especially in his grappling. I just thought that uh, he would outgrapple Thiago Santos since Santos is more more so known as a striker than a grappler, and that's kind of what happened, you know, the only uh, part of the fight that Santos won was the knockdown, and after that it was kind of like Glover uh, controlling him on the ground and beating him up, Santos getting tired, and then him locking up that choke in the third round, so pretty uh, predictable fight for me to pick, and it's kind of cool to see how Glover has gotten better, we know, I feel like we never got the full Glover uh, back in his prime in the UFC, because his prime wasn't really in the UFC, it was more so in, uh, I think it was the WEC and, and fights before he came to the UFC, he did fight for the belt against John Jones, but I just felt like that wasn't the best Glover we could have had, and I'm not saying that he would have beat John Jones, obviously, but Glover was well-renowned as a striker and a grappler, as and just an all-around fighter back in the WEC. So, to see him doing very well now as an older guy is pretty cool. And he hasn't, hasn't seemed to lost a step. He's actually seeming to get better. And if I was, I was Glover, the way the fights are lined up in the light heavyweight division, I would tell him to wait until Blahovich and Adesanya fight for the belt, and then he can fight the winner. Um... I guess Adesanya wants that John Jones fight after he beats Blahovich, but to keep two divisions occupied since John Jones is going to heavyweight is not very possible, so he would either have to decide to uh, defend the middleweight belts or the light heavyweight belts, because he can't fight John Jones and then f- defend two belts. It doesn't. There's not enough days in the in the fucking year to do that. So I would just say Glover, like, there's no reason for him to fight any of these lower tier guys because he is the number one contender and he's kept that spot and like Dominic Reyes is fighting Jiri uh, Alexander Rakic is fighting Santos so there's no reason for him to fight a guy like an Uzdemir or like a Nikita Kur- Kurlov uh, I think he's already beaten Kurlov so there's no point to like fight these guys that are lower ranked than him Unless the Blahovich and Adesanya fight takes too long to make for some reason. But uh, you, I, I feel like Glover does deserve that next 
cont uh, a title contender spot because he beat the last two contenders. Uh, well, not the last two contenders, but two of the last three contenders, pretty in pretty dominating fashion. So I just feel like he deserves the next title shot. So yeah, there's that. And then Santos, a uh, tough fight to bounce back from, in my opinion, just losing to John Jones in a close fight, but. Torres ACL, he seemed a little fucked up still. Like he, he came back in like a like a year and a half or whatever it was. Uh, so obviously gonna have some ring rust. And he's not the biggest 205er because he he made 185 back in the day. So it just seemed to me that uh, Glover was gonna take him down. But uh, for Santos, it's not the end of the world. He's still in the top five, I think. And he's already got a fight lined up, which is good to hear. He's not just soaking in defeat. He's uh, going for the next fight. And this is what happens in the top five of the division. He's going to fight Rakic now. Rakic is not an easy matchup for him, but you know we'll see how that goes. I'm very intri intrigued by that fight. That light heavyweight division has some new names in Alexander Rakic and Jerry Pros Chaka, or whatever the fuck his last name is. So, seeing how those two guys are going to fight is going to set the tone for the division, in my opinion. And it would be kind of cool to see Jiri fight Adesanya, or Rakic fight Adesanya, to be honest, if he, if he beats Blahovic and de decides to stay out with 205 instead of 185. But I also think there's some exciting fights for Adesanya at 185, like a Darren Till, or a Jack Hermanson if he wins, or like a Kevin Holland or whatever. So... Who knows? It's it's all about timing. I feel and like you can you, know, you can never know who wins each fight. So there's a lot of ways that uh, it could go. Maybe Blahovich and Adesanya don't decide to fight. Who knows? We'll see. And that fight hasn't even been scheduled yet. So are they gonna fight in February, March, April? Like what are they gonna do? Who knows? But that is all for that fight card. And the week after that, it was the RDA versus Paul Felder. Uh. Thank God for Paul Felder. At this point, I think he lives at the UFC Apex and he sleeps under the cage because this man is always there, whether he's fighting, doing the contender series, or calling fight nights, uh, or he's training somebody. He just... It, Paul Felder's first team all quarantine, to be honest. Uh, what a gangster move to step in. Five days notice against RDA, who's a terrible matchup for him in the first place. Uh, fight kind of went as I expected with five days notice. He had to cut weight. Um, a guy like RDA who's good at who's good at striking, pressuring opponents, and taking you down. That's a tough matchup against Paul Felder. Although Paul Felder seemed like he had good speed in the fight, and he was definitely keeping up with RDA, but it just seemed RDA. It it, it was very apparent that he had a full camp, and the grappling wasn't even close. Because I feel like a guy that beats RDA is someone that can grapple, like Usman, Colby, even Leon Edwards can grapple against him. A guy that gra can grapple and not get tired. Because uh, these strikers, RDA does, does work against them because he can just pressure them, and he can threaten takedowns. So, and, and at the same time, I feel like this is a good division for RDA, and this is almost a blessing for him because that Islam Makachev fight was... Not in his favor in the slightest. And RDA does not take an easy fight ever in his fucking life. That fight was difficult for him because that is literally the worst matchup. A guy that pressures you and wrestles you is Islam Akachev. And he's a big 155 pounder. 
That would be a terrible matchup for RDA. So RDA getting this win, he's got some leverage now. He'll probably fight someone like I would. I would like to see him fight a Dan Hooker, but he called out Connor. Uh, I feel like after the Dustin Poirier fight, if Connor wins, he's they're gonna have him fight for the belt probably. Probably have him fight like Tony Ferguson or Justin Gaethje or Oliveira. Whoever the whoever wins those fights, we'll talk about that later. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Fight. Five days notice is just, I couldn't pick Paul Felder, although Paul Felder's a great striker. And he's been looking good in his past couple of fights, even though he lost against Dan Hooker. Well, I didn't think he lost that fight, but RDA, just a tough matchup for him. Back in his division, the cut seemed good for RDA. Everything that, that day just kind of told me that RDA was going to win. And in the fashion that it happened, I, it wasn't very surprising to me. Decision fight. Two great fighters slugging it out. Paul Felder being a fucking animal and staying in there. But can we just state the obvious? Is Chris Lee Paul Felder's long-lost cousin or something? I mean, how the fuck can you score three rounds for Paul Felder in that fight? There's no way, bro. There's no way. And Chris Lee is usually a pretty good judge. You know, there's this website called MMA, MMA Decisions, and I always look up the judges uh, that are fighting the main fights and see how accurate they are and if, if their scorecards line up with mine. Because I feel like I'm pretty good at scoring fights, but, like, that was easy 5-0. Easy 5-0. If you want to give Paul Felder a round, even that, I'm like, okay. But uh, you, you cannot say that Paul Felder won that fight. You can't say that. It's impossible. You, he couldn't have been watching the fight. There's no way. And I don't know. We talk. I feel like we talk about judging all the time, but I just kind of wanted to hit on that. There's just no way that Chris Lee should not do these big. I don't know. I, I don't, he shouldn't do these big fights anymore. I mean, if you think that Paul Fuller won that fight, I don't. I, I would not feel comfortable as a fighter for this man to call or uh, judge the fights. I would not feel comfortable at all. But he's one of many. You know. Yeah, unfortunately, this isn't the mo this isn't the most egregious decision that I've seen from an MMA judge from judging. So it'll keep happening. It'll keep happening, and until they really want to do anything about it, the uh, government officials would have to come into play and rearrange the whole judging system, or or something would have to happen. But I don't see that happening for a while. But I don't know. It's just kind of how it's always been in fighting. Just shitty judges, especially in boxing too. But I guess it just got some. It's something you got to deal with, unfortunately. But so for RDA, I said Dan Hooker next fight, and then Paul Felder. I said if he wants to fight one more time or two more times, I w I wouldn't be mad if he fought Ally Quinta. That fight that fight was supposed to happen at UFC 223, but then Ally Quinta uh, fought Habib instead because Max Holloway pulled out. Those two like to fight. They're both kind of part timers. Ally Quinta's got his real estate license and he's selling uh, houses, so I wouldn't be mad at that fight at all. I wouldn't be mad at that fight one fucking bit. Then the rest of the card, you got Chaos Williams, bro. Let me tell you about this, man. This dude is a problem. Now, I haven't seen any of his grappling, but... 
if it's a stand-up fight, he's like the Nganu of the welterweight division. And let me see who missed weight in this fight. He was fighting Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is a solid fighter. Al-Hassan weighed in at 172. Damn, he, w he missed weight again? That's tough. Yeah, he, they might cut him, bro. Two losses in a row and he missed weight twice. That's that's no bueno. The UFC will put up with a lot of shit, but the one thing they don't put up with is weight, uh, missing weight. So I would definitely watch my P's and Q's if I was Abdul Rizak Al-Hassan. But I've never seen Abdul like punched like that, dude. Like, Chaos Williams hit him with, like, it was a good punch, but, like, it wasn't, like, a crazy, like, overhand right, like, all of his power. It was just, like, a straight right, and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, you would have thought that he got shot by a fucking cannon. This dude went out as stiff as a board. I didn't see him move for, like, ten minutes. Crazy, man. Crazy. I mean, I don't know. Cass Williams, he's fighting in a couple weeks, too. He's fighting on the mega card, the Hazmachmaya versus... Leon Edwards card, and I'm excited to see him against M Michelle Pereira because they're both very exciting strikers. Uh, so we'll have to see how that goes. And then I'm sure if he beats Michelle Pereira, maybe they'll give him like a top uh, 15 guy. Who knows? You know, I, I would like to see him against a technical striker or a guy that's going to try to take him down, see if he's uh, about that life, see if he's uh, he can adjust on the fly and he's not just some KO artist, you know, that's going to... Uh, stay for a little bit and then get figured out and uh, just leave and we all forget about him so I'm excited to see that guy fight and by the way is there a better name than Chaos Williams that's a fucking sick name you, you don't need a you don't need a nickname with that name bro Chaos Williams that's sick as hell and then since my good friend Danny Kennedy is the biggest Brennan Allen fan uh, that might be changing now because Brendan Allen did not look too hot uh, on the on this fight card. Uh, I think Brendan Allen has not had the e easiest couple of weeks or whatever because the Ian Heinish fight, I felt that was a much better matchup and it meant more to him because uh, Sean Strickland's not even in his division. This is a catchweight fight. He just kind of took it to take a fight. Um, I think that he was probably overtrained. It just seemed to me that uh, he was kind of out of it, and he definitely needs to work on his striking, but I, I kind of feel like people already knew that. He, we all knew that he was a good grappler, and he's a very strong guy, and in a way, maybe this is good for him to lose to like a low-key guy and uh, get knocked out. Maybe, I, I feel like it'll light a fire under his ass and put a little chip on his shoulder and Tell him to go in, the, go in the gym and learn some striking and uh, learn to conserve energy a little better. Because I feel like that, those are two things that he did not do very well. And maybe not overtrain as much because I feel like that was a problem as well. He seemed very stiff in there. He seemed like he was uh, almost uh, striking in quicksand. Like his shots were not even close to as clean as Sean Strickland. And it's, and it's not like Sean Strickland is this god of a striker. So uh, he's still a young guy. I feel like... This isn't the worst loss of all time for him. Like, you know, it's 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 okay. I don't think anything less of him, but I hope that the, this lights a fire under his ass and he goes back in his next fight and uh, goes back to business, goes back to what he was doing before this fight. And I think that he will because he's got a lot of talent. But uh, 
as as long as he gets some solid striking and is able to conserve energy and, and not be so fucking stiff on the feet, I think he'll I think he'll have a bright future. And I root for uh, all in Allen as as they call him. <laughs> Alright, the UFC two fifty five pay per view. Um not a very like uh, sought after car by many people, but I was actually really excited for it because this is kind of like an MMA hardcore uh, card. Two flyweight, important flyweight fights. Uh, by the way, Davison Figueredo is one of my favorite fighters right now. I fucking love him. The flyweight division needed this guy. As soon as you think the flyweight division is done, this man comes back. And now, honestly, I look at the flyweight division, it's not that bad. You got Davison Figueredo, Alex Perez is a solid fighter, he's just lost to a guy that's a beast. Brandon Moreno is a good fighter. Brandon Royval is one of my favorite fighters now. Uh, Oscar Oskarov, who's actually deaf, and he's a Russian wrestler. He's a beast. A uh, bunch, of, bunch of flyweight fighters that are good. So, that's definitely, uh, that's actually a division that I'm actually excited to see. Because it seems like they're having exci exciting fights lately. Uh, that's At least that's how it looked to me Saturday night. So, we'll kind of run down the card because there was actually some solid fights on here. Uh, Antonino Shevchenko beat Ariane Lipsky. Uh, the Shev both Shevchenko sisters have seemed to take a liking to wrestling. And Antonino just kind of held down Ariane. And kind of just stopped the fight by controlling her on the ground, so it was kind of cool to see that. Antonina is becoming a, fi a fighter, uh, a pretty a pretty good up-and-coming fighter, so I definitely got my eye on her, but it's kind of weird because she is in her sister's weight class, so I'm assuming she doesn't want to fight her sister. I don't know if she's going to move weight classes, if she can go to 115, or if she wants to go up to 135. That'll be interesting to see, who knows. And then you got Joaquin Buckley versus Jordan Wright. Joaquin Buckley, the guy that had the crazy knockout over uh, Impa. I think his name was Impa Kasagni or something. It was the crazy back kick or a roundhouse knockout. It was pretty sick. And he was fighting a, like a karate type fighter, Jordan Wright. And I didn't know what to expect of Joaquin Buckley. And he was a pretty big uh, favorite. So just because... I like betting on underdogs. I I thought that Jordan Wright would win because I didn't know how good Buckley was. I mean, I just saw him have this crazy-ass knockout. That's probably not going to happen again. So I didn't really know how good he was, and his record isn't that crazy. I think he's like 12-4, and four, like 11-4 and four or something. Like 11-4, and 11-3 or something like that. So I didn't... He didn't have like a super sexy record, so I didn't, I didn't know how good he was. I didn't know if... Uh, he could keep up with a technician like Jordan Wright, who was also undefeated, but he did. I feel like right away he was kind of a little nervous about trying to have another crazy knockout so he could uh, get a performance of the night. But it seemed to me at the end of the first round he stayed technical, and he was just a better boxer than Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright kind of left his chin up in the air a little too much, and he got outboxed. Uh, as soon as he could get inside, he landed some good shots on uh, Jordan Wright, and then at the early second round, after Jordan Wright was, like, already fucked up, I think he was asking his cornerman what happened or something, I have no idea, but he was out of it, he was, uh, circling to the wrong side, he was circling to Joaquin Buckley's power side, which is his left hand, and that's the shot that he got hit with, so, good win for Buckley, 
And these prelims are actually super fire because Brandon Moreno fought Brandon Royval, which is actually the fight that I was most excited about because I already felt like I knew who was going to win uh, the main card, all of the main card fights. But I didn't know who was going to win this one, and I actually thought that Royval was going to win. But that was more so me being biased and wanting Royval to win. Uh, I respect Moreno a lot, and I know he's a beast of a competitor. And he's got a chip on his shoulder from not getting that title shot over Alex Perez. But this is one of those fights that I kind of wish would have went on a little longer. I, I almost wish they would have... I think it was Herb Dean that... I wish he wouldn't have stopped the fight so he could go back to his corner and pop that shoulder back in and then he'd be good to go. But uh, the commentators made a very, very good point that this is probably something that happens a lot. Because none of the doctors put it back into place. He just kind of looked to his coach and... He's like, all right, coach, let's do this, you know, he, he kind of, the coach already knew what, what was going on, and he put it back into place like it was nothing, so this definitely happens a lot, He's, this is something he probably has to, I don't know how you fix it, I don't know if he needs shoulder, so, shoulder surgery, but this can't be a consistency when you're fighting, and it can't be, it can't be healthy for sure, so he needs to get that figured out, but overall, that was a great fight. And it seemed to me like Brandon Royville is a very active fighter, so it seemed to me the activity would would uh, overwhelm Moreno, but it didn't. He actually took down Royville and controlled his back and almost uh, choked him out. But Royville, being the tough son of a bitch he is, got out of it. And then there was like a exchange or something on the on the fucking uh, on the ground. And I think uh, something happened to Royval's shoulder, and he tried to pop it back into place. And then Moreno just kind of hit him, hit him a couple times on the ground, and the, the fight stops. But what a badass Royval is! As as he's getting hit, he's trying to dodge punches and also put his arm back into place. Like what the fuck? What a what a savage, dude. Uh, yeah, those are two guys that I'm looking forward to see where their careers go, especially Brandon Royval. Uh, his record isn't the sexiest either. I think it's like 12 and 5, but I don't really care. The man can fight, that's for sure. Uh, so that fight was cool. First fight on the main card, a little sad. Shogun Hua tapping to strikes. I mean, yeah, kind of need this to happen. Although Mauricio hasn't been getting shit on his last couple fights, he hasn't looked good, and... Dad bought Mauricio Shogun Hua is not a fighter that I really want to see. I would want him to retire, but he's probably not going to retire. So, yeah, I mean, Paul Craig, better grappler than Mauricio, more powerful than Mauricio. Mauricio's just old, you know. Paul, Paul Craig and Mauricio's prime wouldn't have done shit to him, but... Like I always say, Father Time is the only undefeated fighter, and although Mauricio's only like 35... He has a lot of miles behind him, and he's been fighting for a long time against a lot of guys, and he's been knocked out a good amount of times, so he's just not the same fighter he used to be, and that's kind of how it is. That's kind of how it goes. Caitlin Chokagian versus Cynthia Calvillo, and the thing with this fight, uh, I wish I could find a reliable uh, betting source online because I would have bet a lot of money on Chokagian, because Chokagian was a plus 200 underdog, and I was so confused why Cynthia was a minus 200, 260 favorite, because she's much smaller, and she's not that good of a striker, and 
Joe Kagan has good takedown defense. She's also with Mark Henry, so that fight kind of happened as it went. Not, not nothing, nothing to rewatch or anything. It wasn't the most exciting fight, but Joe Kagan got work done, and she actually looks pretty fucking good. She she seems like a very smart fighter. Not the most power, doesn't take a lot of risks, but a very smart fighter. Uh, Tim Means versus Mike Perry. Mike Perry just does not give a fuck. Uh, comes out to Beyonce, Halo, <laughs> comes out with his girlfriend and some random dude, uh, misses weight by four pounds, D he just does not give a shit, does he? Uh, I thought he won the first round, but grap with, uh, he outgrappled Tim Means and actually almost got him in a rear naked choke for a second, that was kind of crazy to watch, because I've never seen Mike Perry be uh much of a grappler but uh the thing with mike perry is i just feel like he's kind of going through some real life shit so i think fighting for him is on the back burner right now i think he's just kind of showing up for the money and i think that his biggest priorities right now are just like his girlfriend like i just think he cares about his girlfriend i don't think he really cares about fighting that much or that's how it seems to me like he doesn't have any real cornermen i think he had like one guy in his corner but i don't even know who the fuck that was but he doesn't have a team behind him, and he says that nobody's gonna tell him how to fight. So I don't know. I don't know. I think he probably needs some real therapy, some help, because he just punched an old man at a restaurant too, like a couple months ago. Like this guy, he's not doing very well. But and uh, and the reason I didn't pick him in this fight is because of that. Like fighting, I feel like is like 80% mental, 20% physical. Because Mike Perry, in his prime, when he was really just trying to be the best and fighting these upper echelon guys and doing actually fairly well, I, I feel like he probably would have knocked out Tim Means, but in the condition that he's in right now, the way he's fighting, him seeming like he doesn't really give a shit, I couldn't pick him. I couldn't pick him against Tim Means. So that's kind of what i got to say about that fight. And then Shevchenko... <laughs> Uh, everybody's losing their fucking minds because she lost one round. I mean, all she, all Jennifer Maia did was control her for one round. Like, okay, nice. Uh, but it does kind of put into your head that she can be beaten by someone in the flyweight division, but uh, dominated most of that fight on the feet and on the ground. Has some very nice trips and takedowns. Uh, but I, I kind of expected her to to, uh, to finish Maya, and the fact that she didn't do it, uh, I don't know, it was a little strange, not the craziest fight ever, uh, I guess she, she said that it was happy when five rounds, because she hasn't fought in a long time, and she kind of wanted to see if she could go five rounds comfortably, but she, she seemed like she did, ring rust might have been a factor, but I don't know, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see her against Jessica Andrade, which is her next matchup, Dana confirmed that, uh, Jessica Andrade is a power hitter, and although Valentina's a good striker, uh, she can get knocked out like anybody else, I mean, Jennifer Meyer actually hit her with some shots that made Valentina go for the takedown, so, maybe Valentina's chin is not as good as we think, and if Jennifer, or if, uh, Jessica Andrade lands a punch on Shevchenko, it's gonna be tough for anybody to take that shot, it's gonna be tough for a guy to take a shot from, uh, Jessica Andrade, but... 
For that fight, I'm kind of favoring Shevchenko just because she's more of a technical striker and Andraj is not a technical striker. So I feel like with good movement and being a better grappler, grappler than Andraj, I feel like uh, Valentina should probably win that fight. And she's also probably bigger than Andraj probably. So, yeah. But that'll be an interesting fight because Andraj is actually a solid fighter who's knocked out and beaten uh, very, very uh, good women. And a former champion at that. You know, people forget about that. She was a champ. So, yeah. And then in the, in the main event, you got my new favorite fighter. <laughs> not, not, not my favorite fighter, but he's, he's becoming solely one of my favorite fighters. Davison Figueredo. What's his name? Do, Dos de Geha, God of War. He's got that red stripe on his hair. Uh, God of War is definitely a fitting name because he seems like a guy that is peaking right now. I think Joe Rogan hit it on the head. We always knew that Figueredo was a good punt, was a good, uh, he's been good fighters, like, he, uh, knocked out John Moraga, he beat fucking Pantoja, we, we knew that he was a solid fighter, but the way that he's been fighting these last couple of fights, uh, choking out Tim Elliott, knocking out Benavidez in the first fight, and then knocking down Benavidez, like, three times in the second fight and under a round, and then choking a great grappler like Benavidez out. And now submitting Alex Perez, who's a solid fighter in his own right, in the first minute. Or under two minutes. Like, his last four fights have all been finishes under two rounds. And he seems like a guy that also has fairly good cardio. So, I think that this is a guy that's going to be champ for a while. Uh, I think that... Cody Garbrandt probably shouldn't go down and wait and fight him because cutting weight, <clears throat> especially to a tough weight like 125, it's gonna it's gonna be tough, especially your first time cutting it. And I feel like a a similar thing is gonna happen to him that happened to T.J. Dillashaw against Henry Cejudo. But I'm not gonna I I I would advise him not to take the fight, but I will definitely watch it because uh, after Brandon Moreno, I don't know who. Davison is going to fight. Maybe Pantoja. Pantoja's fighting Manel Cape. And if you don't know who Manel Cape is, he's a guy from... Uh, he fought in Japanese organizations and he has really good knockout power. So maybe that would be a kind of a cool fight. Or maybe Oscar uh, Askarov. But nonetheless, I think that he's the face of the division and he's kind of playing a bad guy role, which is pretty cool. And he, the way he fights, like, he's just there to finish. Like, he's not there to just lollygag and look for distance and fucking try to take you down and lay and pray. Like, he is there to fucking finish. His kicks, his body kicks, his leg kicks, he went for, like, a leg lock, kind of. He, he's always going for the finish, and he has power in his hands, and he has super good grappling. His grappling is probably better than his striking. So this guy is very dangerous, and he is a true martial artist, and that's why I love watching him. 20-1 record, only lost to Drusier Formiga in a decision. I'm excited to see this guy, because he seems like he's fighting the best to his ability, and he's 32 years old, pretty much fighting prime, so I'm, I'm fucking with Davis and Figueredo. I, I'm, I'm fucking with him right now. That's my guy right there. And what is crazy is that uh, they're f him and Moreno are fighting in... 
uh, two and a half weeks. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> they don't even have three weeks to prepare for their next fight after they just both won their fights. Like, that's crazy. I mean, I know they didn't take damage really, but what a gangster move by both these guys to take a fight three weeks after. And, and I love it, honestly. I'm down. I'm so down for more activity in the UFC. I feel like these guys don't fight as much as they should. And who am I? I'm just sitting in my chair and watching you guys fight. I shouldn't be saying shit, right? But it's kind of cool, you know. You look like Hazmat Shmaya. He's fought like three times in like what two months, and he's fighting Leon Edwards for number one contender spot, probably. Like that's crazy, bro. You got Davis and Figueroa making a name for himself. He's fighting f four times in a calendar year. He's he's all already top ten in the world. Like. If if you're about it, like fuck, man, Davison, he, like he is not afraid to fight at all. He is down to fight in three weeks. Most fighters would have been like, ah, oh, give me a couple months to just chill and whatever. But I mean, the, the, he went through a whole camp and he submitted that guy in under two minutes. I'm sure he wants to fight Moreno and have a like a true fight. And that fight that fight is gonna be pretty pretty competitive. I still feel like Davison will pull out the victory, but Moreno is no slouch and he is a tough son of a bitch. He's not gonna go out easy and he's a He's a much better grappler than uh, Alex Perez is, especially with jiu-jitsu defense. So it's going to be interesting to see that. It's also going to be interesting to see how it goes on the feet. Because Moreno's a powerful guy, but uh, he doesn't have as much volume as a uh, figure. I don't even know if he has much, as much power, to be honest, or speed. But yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting fight to see in a couple weeks. Because uh, thank God that fight is actually happening because Peter Jan and Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling is not going to happen because Piotr Jan couldn't get a visa for some reason, which doesn't make sense to me. Because if you're a UFC champion, how do you not get a visa? I, I think he might have fucked up and maybe went to too many countries under his visa. I don't really know how that shit works. But I, I think that he said that he kind of fucked up, so... It it's kind of a shame. I was really excited for that fight, but that fight will probably happen in February, so... I guess wait an extra two months. It's kind of shitty time, and I feel bad for Aljo. Uh, he's probably been working really hard, so... We'll have to uh, postpone that fight, but that would have been a crazy card. You got Davison Figueroa, Brandon Moreno, Piotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling, and then Charles Oliveira and Tony Ferguson, bro. Holy shit. That would have been such a sick card. But you can't have everything. Uh, okay, let's talk about this weekend's <coughs> UFC card. So Curtis Blades is fighting Derek Lewis. Uh... <coughs> You can never say, you know, 100% how a fight is going to go because anything can happen, right? Especially with a guy like Derek Lewis who can knock anybody out in the world, okay? But if I had to pick a guy and my life depended on it, uh, I'd be pretty confident in saying that Curtis Blades is going to win this fight. Uh, I just feel like he's fighting the best he's ever fought. Uh, Derek Lewis is definitely not fighting the best that he's ever fought. I feel like his peak was during uh, when he fought Alexander Volkov or uh, fucking, I don't even know, Travis Brown, that kind of era. And I feel like now he's kind of just slowing down as a fighter. I feel like he doesn't have that, that oomph, that, that, that will to want to fucking compete. So, and I think the exact opposite of Curtis Blades. And even if Lewis was like very ready for this fight, and he did all that he could. Uh, Derek Lewis's wrestling defense has never been good, and Curtis Blades has the most control time of any UFC heavyweight in history. 
which is pretty ridiculous at his age, and with not many fights. So I kind of feel like this is gonna this is gonna be a fight where Curtis Blades just keeps taking Derek Lewis down over and over and over again, and he's a bigger, stronger guy than Derek Lewis with a JUCO national championship to his belt. So uh, I kind of see that fight happening like like that. The only way that I could see Lewis winning is a first round knockout. And Blades has been known to get knocked out. Like, he got knocked out by uh, Nganu, so he doesn't have, a, like, a granite chin, so he could definitely get knocked out, but I feel like he'll be smart enough to uh, move his head out of the way when he shoots and take Lewis down a couple times and kind of just tire him out. And as the rounds go by, you see a more diminished Derek Lewis, and Curtis Blades doesn't seem to get very tired. Uh... So I, f I feel like Derek Lewis will get tired and Blades will eventually TKO him by ground and pound in the third round. That's my prediction. Third round TKO, Curtis Blades. But I wouldn't bet on that fight because you're not going to win that much money. Blades is like a 3-1 to one favorite, so tough to earn money this weekend. But where you can earn money is Devin Clark versus Anthony Smith because Anthony Smith is a favorite. <clears throat> and I love Anthony Smith, and I usually go for him in these fights. But I don't know what's going on with Anthony Smith. He just seems like he's out of it. Um, he just he seems to be fighting very strange. I don't know if it was the home invasion that kind of fucked him up mentally, but he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to be. I don't know. He just doesn't seem to me to be the like the old Anthony Smith who fought like Rashad and uh, Gustafsson, you know. So, I feel like Devin Clark, he's an up-and-coming guy. He's a good pressure fighter, and he's a good wrestler in his own right. And the way that I've seen Anthony Smith controlled on the ground easily by Rakic and Glover Teixeira, who both pressured him and took him down, unfortunately, I see that happening in this fight. I hope I'm wrong, because I like Anthony Smith a lot. But I just kind of see this fight going down as a Devin Clark decision. Anthony Smith just doesn't seem to have that fire in him anymore for some reason. I don't know what's going on. And to take this fight uh, pretty soon after getting beat up by Rakic and getting fucked up by Glover, uh, it hasn't been an easy year for Anthony Smith, but I don't see this fight being any easier for him, to be honest. So I'll take Devin Clark. And then the fight you've all been waiting for, you've all been fucking salivating for. Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Oh, God. How am I going to preview a fight that has no winner? I don't know if you guys know this, but it's going to be an eight-round, two-minute-per-round fight with... If, if there's a cut, the fight's over. There's apparently no knockdowns. If you knock somebody down, you get disqualified or some shit. There's no judges. There's no winner. It's supposed to be like a sparring match. Obviously, that's not going to happen. I feel like they're going to go for each other, and there's going to be a winner. We're going to know who's going to win based off of seeing the fight. And I don't know. There's not much to look after other than some videos of Mike Tyson and Roy Jones hitting pads and the fact that Mike Tyson looks like a Greek god. But uh, Mike Tyson hasn't fought in like 15 years, I think. Maybe even more. And Roy Jones fought like two years ago. 
And the thing is, Mike Tyson definitely has the strength and <clears throat> the strength and a uh, power advantage. So I feel like early on, it's definitely Tyson's fight to win. But I feel like as as the rounds go by, if Roy Jones can not not get knocked out early on, he should probably be able to win the later rounds because I feel like Mike Tyson probably get will get tired because uh. He was pretty much, he was kind of like out of shape earlier this year, and then as soon as he started training, he just took a fight. Like, he just kind of, he said that the ego came back to him and he wanted to fight again. And then he set up a fight with Roy Jones, but uh, <clears throat> I feel like Roy Jones, Roy Jones trains pretty well, and he's got good cardio for his age. Uh, I don't know. I'm not that excited for this fight, low key. I feel a lot of people my age are, but. I don't really want to watch two old guys fight each other. I, I understand it's Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., but it's like, it's not really them. Like, it's it's not the Mike Tyson of the 80s and the Roy Jones of the 90s. Like, that's a fucking fight I would love to see. Them both in their prime or it happening in the 90s, that would have been lit. But it never happened. And I don't know if this is going to be a, uh, a showstopper, to be honest with you. But... I will watch it. I will definitely watch it, and I hope I'm wrong. But I hope it's a fucking nail-biter, edge-of-your-seat fight. And I'll be rooting for Mike Tyson 100%. But if I had to pick a winner, even though there's no winner, I'll probably say Roy Jones. I'll probably say Roy Jones, yeah. I feel like Tyson will get tired. But, I mean, there's not much to really preview. Like, what am I going to say about it? Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird. And then you got... <laughs> And even a fight that I couldn't even begin to fucking preview and analyze because I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, Nate Diaz, or not Nate Diaz, holy shit. Nate Robinson and Jake Paul. Holy shit, dude. What is going on? Like, <laughs> these YouTubers have really opened the platform to get into boxing uh, for some reason. They're having. Uh, Jake Paul and Nate Robinson are fighting ahead of Badu Jack, who's a cruiserweight title contender. Which is fucking insane. But, uh... I don't know, I don't know. I've never seen Nate Robinson spar. I've seen Jake Paul beat up a YouTuber. I've seen him beat up KSI's brother. Uh, that doesn't mean shit to me, because those guys aren't boxers. But, uh, I don't know. I'll probably go Nate Robinson just because he's an athlete. You know, the guy played college football, and he played in the NBA at my height, 5'9", so... Dude's a fucking beast. Uh, he's definitely a good athlete, and I, I feel like he wouldn't have taken this fight if he, know, if he didn't know how to box at all. So I'll probably take Nate Robinson. Uh, I hope he fucking knocks him out, because I don't fuck with Jake Paul in the slightest. I think he's a fuckboy. <laughs> so let's go Nate Robinson. I'm rooting for that motherfucker. Okay, there's that's all for that. Um... Uh, I wonder how many pay-per-view buys that gets, by the way. That'd be interesting. Okay, some fight announcements. Some spicy fight announcements for you guys. McGregor versus Poirier finally announced for Fight Island 99%. And, to top that off, uh, Dana said that he's going to have fans there. He's going to have a concert there. There's going to be crazy shit going on. People partying. It's going to be a full crowd, so that's going to be fucking lit. I, I hope to God that he goes through with his promise and uh, 
past fans at the arena, dude, because I am getting, I, I'm not getting sick of, of fucking having no fans, but I was watching some old fights, man, and the fans matter, bro, like, I shit on the MMA fans a lot because they boo when the fight goes to the ground for too long or whatever, but having them there is way better than not having them there, so that's, uh, that's something that I definitely want to see, and It'd be weird to see a McGregor fight with no fans, to be honest. I mean, all these all, all these other, other guys, you know, whatever. But McGregor, he's the biggest star in the UFC history, so not having fans there is would be very strange to me. But uh, I'm fucking excited for that fight, man. January 23rd, I think it is. Great way to start off 2021, man. I'm excited for that fight wholeheartedly. And then you got... When I saw this, I was fucking... I had a smile cheek to cheek, uh, or ear to ear, whatever it is. Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I did not care about that Tony Ferguson Michael Chandler rumor whatsoever. I could give a shit. This is the fight to make, dude. This is the fight to make. Charles Oliveira is on a seven-fight win streak, and he is not. He hasn't looked this good ever. He's he's the dark horse in the division. People don't talk about him enough. His striking against Kevin Lee was fucking amazing. And his grappling off of his back and, and, and his guillotines. I cannot wait to see them grapple, dude. I can't wait to see them strike. I can't wait to see Tony Ferguson put that pressure on him. I can't wait to see Oliveira try to knock his head off and go in there. I feel like... I feel like the fight favors Oliveira because it's a third round. It's a three-rounder instead of a five-rounder, but Tony Ferguson, in three rounds, he still puts a pace on you that you got to keep. And don't, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. This fight's kind of 50-50 for me. But I think, I don't know. I, I feel like the old Ferguson probably would have beaten the old Oliveira very easily, but this Oliveira is just different, man. The way he's fighting, it is so entertaining. He's the top five most entertaining guys to watch for me right now. And then you got Ferguson in there, who's always, like, one of the craziest, wackiest, most entertaining fighters in UFC history, who has a granite chin. I mean, is Oliveira going to try to knock him out, or is he going to kind of take that Justin Gaethje approach of just tapping him, tapping him, you know? And is it going to go to the ground? Like, how is Oliveira's jiu-jitsu going to stack up against Ferguson's crazy jiu-jitsu? Like, oh my god, bro. I wish it was a five-rounder, though, to be honest, because I want to see every second of that fight, bro. But yeah, I, I fucking, I mean, I'm so excited for that fight. But okay, what, what is strange about that is that it kind of leaves Chandler out to dry. So who's Chandler gonna fight now? Is he gonna fight Dan Hooker? Is he gonna fight Justin Gaethje? Oh, who the fuck's he gonna fight? Um, what I think is gonna happen is he's probably gonna fight Justin Gaethje. And I wouldn't be surprised if he fights Justin Gaethje on the same card as Connor and Dustin. Because Michael Chandler has been trying to get a fight, and he says the fight camp is starting now. So I feel like a month and a half, you know, that's a pretty solid fight, fight camp. Especially, he's already been training, and he uh, cut weight for the um, for the Nurmagomedov and the Gaethje fight as a backup, so... They'll probably give him Gaethje, to be honest. They want to give him a big name. They don't want to give him a small name for whatever reason. But uh, have him fight Gaethje. That's kind of a cool fight. See if Chandler can take him down. Uh, and if not, how's he going to deal with, this? with the great, uh, with the power of Dustin Gaethje after getting knocked out by a 45er? All right. And then, finally, 
Calvin Cater and Max Holloway for January seventeenth, uh, I think. I don't know, eighteenth or something like that. Yeah, as a fight night, dude, I'm so excited, and I don't know who to root for because I have fucking, I love Calvin Cater. I love that Boston strong mentality. I like the way he fights. He's a great boxer, good defensive wrestler, and then you got Max Holloway, who is a that Hawaiian beast, that crazy striker. Uh, Cater has more power. Holloway has more volume. I don't know. That's that's an interesting fight, man. I'm glad it's a five-rounder. So, uh, must win for Holloway. If he doesn't win this one, it's three losses in a row. And Cater, if he wins this one, he's definitely getting that title shot. I feel like whoever wins this fight is going to probably get the next title shot. So, we'll see. Does Holloway, does Holloway get that third crack of Volkanovski? Or do we see a new challenger emerging uh, against Volkanovski and Calvin Cater? Uh, so yeah, that's that's gonna be very exciting to see what happens with that fight. So uh, UFC is killing it right now. Uh, I thought the end of the year would kind of suck, but as soon as they made Ver- Ferguson versus Oliveira, that went out the window. 2021 seems strong. Hopefully they'll get some fans at Fight Island. And I'm just excited for what's to come for the UFC, man. And I'm glad to give you guys my input. And thank you to everybody that's listening. I appreciate all you guys. And enjoy the fights this weekend, because I definitely will. Uh, Peace. Later.